what is up, Hype? Rankable is back. We got a new format. We're actually going to rank some stuff this time. And, oh, man, I am so excited to kick things off with one of my favorite people in the SEO world. I am joined today by Chima Meje. Chima is... You, you are just this like inspiration, dude. Like, okay, so she runs Zenith Copy. She moves from Nigeria where she built up her whole freelance kind of clientele where she's writing for SaaS companies like Wix and SEMrush and doing topic clusters. She moves to the UK. She starts this BIPOC professionals living and developing um, countries like membership program called uh, Freelance Coalition for Developing Countries, which is badass. She's hosting these sessions with my tech SEO story with just amazing people in the industry, whether it's like Amanda Jordan or like Crystal Carter or uh, Claudio Cabrera, like talking about their experiences and shoot, she's on Rankable. She's back on Rankable. What is up, Chima? How are you doing? Hi, Garrett. It's so good to be here again. I feel like I feel like there's a move from the last time we talked when you were still on when, when you were still on the former podcast with Chajet. I know when we did traject and I remember that was a heated interview. I'll, I'll leave the links for that in the description, but that was great because we were talking at the time that was maybe a year and a half ago. And yeah. we're talking about the state of the SEO industry yes. and kind of like, you know, that, that there's a, there's a lot of discrimination. There's a lack of gender equality a year and a half later. Like, are we, is it any better? Yeah, that's the thing. It's not just, I don't like just, I don't like to just talk about stuff. I always like to take action. Yeah. So that is, that is me taking action through the coalition. So if I complain about something, then I don't just want to take action. I also want to give other people the opportunity to correct it so that it becomes a movement and it becomes something we're all doing collectively. Yeah. I think, I think it's, I feel like obviously you, choose who you listen to on social media and who's in like the what content comes across your feed I don't know about you maybe it's more general but I feel like I've curated my feed so I'm seeing at least less like straight up ridiculous lists or ridiculous comments where you're just like okay like you know bunch of white dudes you know (laughs) yeah thanks for reaching out to me but where's the the diversity of representation yeah yes exactly exactly I'm always very careful with who I'm following on Twitter, the, even everything has to be very carefully created so that you're getting information from the kind of people that can benefit you and not just random, like you said, random white dudes on Twitter. And, and so it's interesting too, because I know you're you're very active on Twitter, but you're also very active on LinkedIn. Yes. In the SEO community, which which community do you prefer and lean towards? Uh, I think I think I buy Twitter because I can do more shit posting on Twitter than on LinkedIn. <laughs> you, Wait, you because can't... the algorithms or the or the audience? No, no, no. It's the audience. Well, I don't give a fuck about the algorithm. It's the audience. The the Twitter the LinkedIn audience is more straight tie neck up kind of people. So the, even even while I can make a lot of posts, I have a lot of swear words in there. I still have to be careful, even with tailoring that. But on Twitter, I don't care. I just say what comes to mind. And that's how, that's how it goes. There's kind of like more freedom with what you can post on Twitter. Yeah, I, I, I think. And, and, it's, and it makes it more fun that way. You can be yes. your more authentic self. Exactly. You know? Exactly. You can be that on LinkedIn, but it feels like it's more Controlled. supportive. And yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm excited to talk topic clusters, but before we dive in, I mean, the name of the show is rankable. So I got to ask yes. you, like, I yes. want you to rank something. You 
you enjoy cooking. You're, you're, you're a cook. You, you, you do some serious cooking these days. Yes. Yeah, spicy food, my man. I love spicy food. <laughs> okay. Rank it for me. What are, what are your top three foods that you like to cook? Ah, number one has to be penne a la vodka. I love pasta with like a passion. I see some smiling. I derive joy from cooking pasta. So pasta, but more specifically, penne a la vodka. That's one. Number two would be beans in palm oil sauce. And then number three would be fried plantain and egg. Ooh, I like, I, my wife and I, we make fried plantain chips. Like we'll do the chips where we'll slice them out and then we'll put a little bit of like seasoning on it, put it in the oven for 20 minutes and then you dip it in salsa and that's like a perfect snack. But you, you go all out, like you do the full plantain. Yeah, that's, 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 you guys are having snacks. I'm having a meal. That took different things. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I love that you cook. I'm the same way with pasta. Uh, absolutely. So, okay, let's talk topic clusters. You, you have kind of really established yourself as an authority um, in terms of the value of topic clusters in for SEO, for content. You had a project recently that was a huge success. Can you tell me a little bit about what you did? Yeah, I'm not going to call it a huge success yet because we, we just yeah. did a strategy. So they're in the process of execution right now. But it was, it was kind of a massive learning moment for me because I built a cluster, four clusters with 40 topics, which meant that I was probably reading like 20, 10, 10 to 20 blog posts a day, manually reviewing each of them. And I probably ended up reading like 400, at the minimum, 400 to 500 blog posts in the space of four weeks. So wow. yes, reviewing that much content, then you start to see patterns, imagine on set, imagine on the pages and stuff that you can, that's kind of like making me rethink what I know and then reinforcing some of the things that I already know. So it's interesting because I'm also going to do a presentation about this at Brightness here in October, but yes, we can also talk about it now. Yeah, well, so like when you're when you're reviewing, so content refreshing, content kind of restructuring from almost like a site architecture standpoint, uh, can can generate some major SEO lift. When you review those four hundred like articles, what are you looking for? What are you identifying? Yeah, um, so um, the first thing I'm looking at is what does the page look like? I'm I'm. I can use the SEP to see if, if video is ranking for that keyword and then I can make that recommendation to the client. Okay, video is ranking for this keyword, you need to add video. What kind of infographics are people creating or rather what kind of graphics in general? Is it infographics? Is it, it's, that you start to see a pattern imagining any type of images. Sometimes it's a funnel loss. You just start to see patterns and then you can say, this is a type of image that you need to be creating. What kind of out image text are they using to show up on image SEO? And I'm also looking at the keywords, sorry, the links. Where are they yeah. getting their links from? What um, anchor text are they using to get their links? That's one part where I got like a lot of massive learnings. I'm looking at the title tags because a lot of the titles always have patterns again. Sometimes it's numbers and then you notice that numbers are ranking for the top 10 keywords. Sometimes it's how to, sometimes it's certain words in there. And then you just have to find it and then make sure that you're using that when you're writing your own headline. So I'm looking yeah. for repeatable patterns. What am I saying that is coming across in at least three pages on page one? And then I want to add that into our own content. I'm also looking for stuff that 
I think they should have covered, but they didn't cover or stop that they didn't do very well, that we can do very well. And I'm looking for, is there anything that should be dropping because the information is already out there and it's too good and we're not going to have a chance of ranking? Or are these people just writing shit and then we have an opportunity to rank for this if we write better content? That's yeah, the stuff I, I'm looking at. It's, it's, there's so many different like on-page and off-page aspects that are important to consider. I love what you're saying about looking at the SERPs and looking at the examples there. Do you have a philosophy when, you know, there's that kind of balance of like not wanting to straight up like copy or imitate content yes. versus like that's what ranks um, versus doing something that's actually like original, but it might not rank because it doesn't have the elements that of what's ranking. How do you, how do you like? I think, I think, I, I think we have to be realistic. We are living in Google's world. Mm-hmm. First things first, are living in Google's world. So every mm-hmm. time you write content, you must, must take your cue from what is already out there. Because that tells you that this is what Google wants to see for that keyword. Then the thing is taking those essential elements that you see that are repeated, take those repeatable elements, and then you can now make it your own. There are so many opportunities to do that with H3 subheadings. You can capture the basic H2s that you see, but then use those H3s. I like to talk about turning them into mini topics. Use those H3s as mini topics to really dig deep and then cover it so cohesively that you that your content becomes the best and kind of giving Google a new perspective on what should be ranking for that keyword. But at the core, you have to take your cue from what is already ranking, but you can also build on that with what you think you could be doing better to make that content the best. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying about the H3s and it makes sense from like the topic cluster standpoint. How do you decide when to combine articles versus, you know, kind of like spread them out into a topic cluster? Like you could do a bunch of like 500 to 1000, you know, word yeah. articles, or you could do like an epic, you know, five, yes. 5,000 word articles. How do you deal with yeah. that? Yeah, see, I, I have something in here on my notes that says, hold on, let me find it. Yes, okay. So you just you just you just question you just brought up something from my notes. Okay, now it says um yes, okay. Use keywords everywhere or keyword insights to find related topics, kind of like a cluster within a cluster. Then group those keywords with a tool like keywords inside because it saves you time and then it clusters it for you, and then you know which keywords can rank within one page and what you should be doing individually as a separate page. That kind of saves you time. And then once I have those keyword groups, I can use the keyword that has the most search volume as the working keyword and then bring the rest of that as subheadings or stuff that we're going to include there, but they all come under that one page. So even within the cluster, you still have clusters because Every page, you probably some pages, some keywords, even in cluster. These are secondary keywords, but those secondary keywords are so big that they can also be like a mini cluster of their own. So the mm-hmm. content will be long form, very long form, because that allows you to cover as many of those um, sub keywords as possible. You can use them in ultimate steps, you can use them in H3s, you can use them, find ways to even include them as text on the page. Google bots are smart enough to pick them up because I saw that happening a lot itself. So yeah. that's how. I would group them and that is how I would prioritize what I'm going to be using as, oh, this is a secondary keyword that's going to be standalone. This is a secondary keyword that is going to stand within another secondary keyword. 
I, I, I like that. Like, so when you're, when you're kind of establishing those groups, I yes. guess my next question is in terms of, you know, when you're building the cluster, a lot of it has to do with giving the signals to Google that it is a cluster via internal yes. linking. Yes. When you audit internal links, um, say like you've got the, the four to 500 articles, are you removing as many internal links as you're adding to kind of like solidify those topic clusters as you're building them out? Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not moving any internal links. I think what I'm mostly doing is finding the best internal links that mm. one already exists on the client page. What already exists that is kind of already part of the cluster because they've covered some of the intents. And then I'm going to make sure that even within those ones that already exist, there will be one that is so good that's probably driving the best results. And that is the one that is going to feature the most in the new cluster. So it's finding a way to integrate what already exists with what we're currently creating, and then linking back from what we're currently, create, what we're currently creating to what already exists. And third, what we're currently creating within what we're also currently creating. So internal linking is so crazy important, so freaking important. I say this a lot. Internal linking is just as important as external linking, just as important as building those high quality bank links because done right, it will lift all those other pages up in SERP. I have seen this happen. And then you start to see that it's not just the pages within the cluster that you're creating that is ranking. It's those other pages that are probably on page two or something that now have like a lot of links going towards them, showing Google that, this is meaningful content that's also part of this cluster. And then they all rise together. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, you see it so often when you start to generate like the right pattern of internal links, how, you know, a week, a month, few months later, you start to see them all rise in the yes. rankings, which is yes. really satisfying yes. for, those, Very... for those 400, 500 articles. No, um, those don't even make it. Let's cut it dead. Those don't even make it. Those are trash. No. Those are going in the bin. Those are definitely <laughs> going in the bin. Well, that's, that's got to be the tricky thing too, is like, you know, so many of the, of the articles, you know, you either delete or you merge, and then yes. you probably also identify content gaps when you're doing that type of volume, mm -hmm. of like mm -hmm. what needs to be filled in. Mm -hmm. How do you recommend that to the, to the client? Like, how do you bring up that discussion of like, there's net new as well? Um, with, with content gaps, like mm -hmm. it's always within the cluster model that I'm looking at gaps. I'm looking at it within what are we building in this cluster that the current doesn't have that we're going to build on and then you're doing that gap research but sometimes like you said you have those low volume keyword content that are kind of like just messing up the flow and is probably going to fuck up the entire cluster yeah. so it's suggesting to the clients which is always the hardest thing and honestly i, I almost I, I almost want to get they almost want to slap me when i tell them to take down the post because it's going to affect the rest of the cluster like to them it doesn't make sense why do you need to delete this post for everything else to succeed and they want to leave it there but that is the first thing sometimes getting them to remove this shit that doesn't work or for us to find a way, like you said, to combine them into one big article. But usually there's there's no cohesion, there's no there's no way for us to combine them. The best way is to trash them most of the time. So getting content is really hard. And I don't think we talk about this a lot, but the reality is that it is so hard to update content that it's sometimes even after updating content, it still doesn't work. I like, there's a, that's the thing with SEO. We tend to just gloss over a lot of things. We talk about, oh, this is the result I did from everything, but they're not going to tell you how many content pieces they updated that did not get results. And that's time wasted. That is time wasted. You're never getting back. 
it's, it's hard. hard. Yes. It's hard because I mean, you because you use I, I you and I are both familiar. Like we're both big fans of phrase, for instance, which yes. like to your point, like gives you as many clues yes. as you can get about what's going to rank. But even then, that's still not yes. a guarantee yes. that you're going to exactly. hit your goals. Exactly. So with that gap, sometimes even the stuff that they've written still going still comes in as part of the gap because it's just useless because of how terrible the content is, and we. And I have to convince the client that even though you have this content, it's not going to deliver. We have to do it from scratch. So the gap basically is not even the hard part for me because you can find those gaps with keyword research. What exists, what needs to go as trash, what needs to come in the cluster to close those gaps, what are competitors doing? Obviously, that's where you get most of that gap analysis data. What are competitors doing? And prioritizing what we can realistically rank for that is always the hard part well, to to that point keyword research i've seen a lot of talk recently about how keyword tools don't always get search volume right and like I whether mean, or not whether or not you should even target like zero volume keywords Where, where's your head on that okay i think uh, <laughs> um oh my god i forgot uh, she's gonna kill me because she's probably gonna watch this and realize i forgot her name <laughs> You're talking. You're talking about it. Sorry. Yes, I remember. Sorry, great. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I can't forget her name. Just yesterday, we we're talking about it. Zero search volume keywords. So, mm-hmm. um, agreed. The data from 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 the keyword research tools are always um weird. Let me put it that way. I'm seeing one thing on markets news sometimes. I'm seeing one thing on keywords everywhere. I'm seeing another thing on SEMrush. So I, it's the best thing I think I think you should do is to follow one keyword research tool and use that data as your source of truths. Else you're just going to confuse yourself and pull in data that only fits what you want to say. True. You understand? So it yes. can be like you have a keyword you really want to go after, but SEMrush is saying the keyword volume is zero. And then you look at it on keywords everywhere and it's saying the keyword volume is 70 or the keyword volume is 150. And because one is showing you that it has keyword volume, then you tend to cherry pick where you're getting that data from. So I think the best way to just keep it aligned, follow, one, follow data from one keyword research tool and then use that for your keyword research. But, but still, do, you, do you ever just go with your gut anyway? You're just like, screw the yes, tools. Like, I yes. know this is a topic. Yes, that's obviously. I, I do. I, I use, I use, I use zero, zero volume keywords all the time because, yeah. like I said, part of building a cluster is not just about keywords, it's about topics. You're looking at what can help the sales team and the customer support teams to close leads. What are people asking frequently? You yeah. need to create that content because then your support teams can send it to, um, to, the, to, to customers. You should also be creating content that can support sales, help them close the deal. This kind of content that they can pick up and say, oh, uh, p- pertaining to this question you asked about how we fare in comparison to this other brand, whether they set really between the vessels keyword or not, then you can send it to them and then it gives them like this visual picture of how brand A compares to brand B and the unique value that brand B has. You also, I also use zero volume keywords when doing when building out personalized pages. So of target audience X or target audience Y for yep. product X. So it's about, um, for example, let's say I'm working on a tool that does um, productivity or let's say uh, sales pipeline tool. And yep. then I can say sales pipeline for sales team. 
or yeah. sales pipeline tool for, for customer support sales. Well, I don't really care if there's such key volume for that because those are personalized pages. Those are pages that speak to a specific audience. Those are pages that, again, the sales team can send to that audience when they're speaking with them based on qualifications that they already used to like say, okay, these are ideal audience. So keyword volume is great, but most of the conversion assets, the stuff that's actually really going to sell is not gonna have a ton of keyword or it's not even gonna have any keyword volume at all. That doesn't mean you shouldn't create it anyway. That's, uh, that's such a great point because you got me thinking because you're like, okay, you take the keyword volume to begin with, but when you start thinking search intents and you start thinking about different audiences, that slices that volume yes. down anywhere. It's like if you have 300 per month, but only like 10 people of one, you know, uh, type of customer, 10 people of another, but the way like you think about email marketing, for instance, a marketer for a real estate email, you know, service is going to look at email marketing completely different than like a you know an email market for a SaaS company or yeah. you know like it absolutely I think that's a really good point of when it is appropriate to make it regardless of, of zero volume okay agreed I can talk to you about this stuff forever but I want to get to some ranking questions are you ready for let's some go. like let's rapid go. Let's fire go. okay shoot me shoot me Let's do it. Rank your number one, your best SEO marketing win that you've had in the past year. Uh, that has to be working with Aurelius and helping them triple their traffic, through content and link building. Holy crap, that's that's a big win. That, yes, <laughs> how I long agree. did that take to see the results? Uh, we started working together in August and we started really seeing results by January this year. Man, that's so satisfying when it starts going up and up. Okay, yes. rank your top three SEO tools. Go. SEMrush, keywords everywhere, phrase.io. Why SEMrush number one? Ah, SEMrush. I, I feel like I feel like I'm crippled without SEMrush because I rely on them for everything. Like I use them to do the keyword research. I use them to find if the if the keyword is viable. I use them to find um, secondary keywords to group the cluster. Basically that first step of doing the keyword research for the cluster happens on SEMrush. All of that data comes from them. I can also do like a link, well I say link audit, but I can also review links from those pages that are ranking when I'm analyzing links for every page on page one. I use SEMrush for that too, so. SEMrush does so much, but keywords anyway, you were talking about the source of truth. Do you use keywords anyway yes, to kind of yes. like confirm um, or is that your source of truth? Mm -hmm. SEMrush is my, search, is my source of truth because like I said, if I'm using one tool for keyword research, that tool is going to be my source of truth. So I use SEMrush for my source of truths. But keywords I anywhere. also like keywords everywhere because when I'm doing that rapid fire uh, keyword research on Google to see if a keyword that, is, that I'm thinking in my mind will be viable, I can quickly use keywords everywhere to see if it's hard search volume. You know how you have an idea of what you think would be a good keyword, and then you, you're just doing like Google search. Yes, keywords everywhere is really good for that because they have all that data right there on Google, and then they have those long tail keywords on the side, which is just amazing. Gotcha. And then phrase for like kind of building content and confirming what you yeah, need for yeah, it. And you, yeah. do you use that in your course? Is that is that included? Like yes, you recommend yes, that? Yes, yes. I even have a a part on my course that talks about building the content brief with phrase because I love phrase. The thing I think that makes phrase stand out from, other, from every other person is that future where they give you statistics. That's a very cool future. That's a very, very cool future. 
Uh, but I also like their list of um, semantic entities. Awesome. Mm. The list. And then I love the people also access section of it. They pull so much that I can just cherry pick what I need and then add that to my brief. So yes, Brace is awesome. And and so for people who aren't, you know, obviously there are a lot of people who are looking to like hire hire someone like you to do their topic cluster content research. Yeah. But you you do have this course. Can you tell me a little bit about what your course is all about? Yeah, the course is basically um, a way for content marketers and freelancers who are trying to learn how to build topic clusters as a type of content strategy. That is what I always advocate for. Rather than just doing the content strategy and it's just jumping everywhere, the topic cluster forces you to be disciplined and to approach it from a topic by topic by topic level. And that's what I cover with the course. So you learn how to build the topic cluster, how to do the research for the topic cluster, executing that cluster. And I also added resources for freelancers on how to sell that cluster as a package. So you're not just selling the cluster, you're also selling both the execution side of it. That's huge. Okay, so like in the description notes, we'll have a link to the course there. So definitely check out uh, Chima's course. Back yes. to the ranking. What's yes. your what's your best SEO trick tactic? It has to be link building, man. It has to be link building oh, because but we because, hate it. <laughs> yes, I, I know, I know, I know. I, and I say this with with a lot of. Ah, I wish I could eat my words, but link building is so powerful because I've seen this repeatedly. When you're still coming up you don't have that high domain authority you don't have that shit ton of traffic links is what pushes the needle is what moves the needle in my opinion it is i mean whether you whether you love or hate it, it's there speaking yes. of most loving what what rank your what do you love most about seo it has to be the value of consistency because that's the thing seo kind of punishes you when you stop being consistent so in a way it benefits me and other SEOs because people are scared of losing their ranking and that kind of forces them to stay consistent with their efforts. So that has to be it for me, the value of consistency. Okay. I got I gotta ask, are you talking, is there a difference between like content this velocity of putting out new content versus like iteration and improving your existing content? It's, there's a, obviously there's a difference, but I think you have to find the balance with bots. You have Fair. to find the balance. I remember there was a company I worked with last year and then they dedicate the whole of January to doing content updates, which is brilliant in my opinion. So you have like 11 months to create fresh content and then one month where the entire team is just dedicated to updating and refreshing content. So you shouldn't prioritize one. We shouldn't be asking that question. We should be always talking about where's the balance between content velocity and that's a good point. It's like you never want to do all your eggs in one one, yes, one basket. Exactly. Okay, rank rank your best number one learning SEO resource. Where do you learn your shit? Ah, in the early days, it was everywhere. But now, all of the advice from all of them are like redundant, outdated, and I'm not learning anything from them. So I think the only blog that I feel like I go to and I learn something that's so valuable, so practical, is Grow and Convert. I love really? the writes. Yes, I love how they write. I love how they write. It's it's so easy. It, that's that's the kind of writing style I'm into. That informal writing style, mm -hmm. and how they break it down with a lot of examples. They tend to really give a lot of like technical and middle, like most of the other blogs are doing beginner level stuff. To be honest, and after yeah. a while, you, you you're not getting any value from it again. But I love what Grand Converts is doing. So yeah. 
Huge. Okay. We'll check them out. We'll, we'll include a link in there. And then, okay. So this, this is a, this is another opportunity to share some love. Rank your top yeah. one to three SEO marketers that you most uh, look up to. Oh, uh, number one has to be Alida. Alida Solis. And she's amazing. Yes. Not, I don't, I think of this thing a lot. I don't know how Alida does it. She runs her agency, Oriente, which is like massive. And then she had time to create learning SEO dot io making it like the biggest learning resource in seo that anyone has ever created and it's free and so she's also taking she, 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 she i reached out to her to be the teacher for the first cohort of the leg of the tech seo and yes. is teaching them for three months from scratch and that's like the best person you can learn from and she's always there like she's always there she's just giving and giving and giving and in an industry where People only want to give as much information as make them an authority. Alida is just giving everything away. And that's just oh like SEO FOMO, her newsletter. She does yes. like the crawling Mondays. I don't know how yes. there's enough One time FC. in the day. There's just, there's just so much going on with her. The other two people I really love has to be Chantel Marcel. She has a really awesome email oh, list. I follow her on Twitter. She's yes. really good. She's really good. She's really good. I, I love the stuff she puts out on Twitter because it's actionable. It's stuff that I've pulled from. And then the third person is Simon Schneiders from Blue Area SEO. And that's because yes. Simon runs one of the biggest agencies, but he's still very humble. And he's, he's, a lot of people talk about um, being into diversity, helping mm -hmm. putting their mark and making it a more diverse industry. But Simon walks the talk. He has been one of our biggest donors since he started the coalition and he's always there. He recently just donated two awesome. MacBooks to the coalition because we need we need new computers, and it's not it's it, it's just who he is. He's just a great human being. So I'm always inspired by people in the industry that recognize their privilege and that are committed to making the industry more diverse through action, not just by words of mouth. Through action. I I, I absolutely agree. And I, I, speaking of like. So rank your number one, I think, I think I know, but rank your number one yeah. cause or charity that, that uh, you want to promote. Obviously, the Freelance Coalition, the UG, the Freelance Coalition, the Freelance Coalition, for sure. Tell me about it. T tell me about it. It's so freaking cool. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, the Freelance Coalition came from the, me realizing that we all, all of us who are Black, who are Africans, who live in India, Pakistan, the Philippines, we all have the same problem when we're trying to come up. We are undervalued, we are underrated, we are underpriced. We look down upon and we're always taking advantage of. And it's because we don't know our value, we don't have the right skill set, and we really suffer the most from imposter syndrome. So that's what the coalition is trying to correct. That skill gap, we're trying to close it by offering as much training as possible. I think we've done like We've had like over 300 trainings so far between January awesome. and now. Yes, we offer training, we offer uh, scholarship tickets to attend events, just get them out there. We are also doing the mentorship. We've so far managed to pair around 60 plus people with mentors across the world so that they can learn one-on-one -on -one and close that skill gap. We're also doing the tech SEO mentorship, where we're bringing, the goal is to diversify SEO intentionally. So we're doing the first cohort with Aleda, 10 black and brown skinned people learning tech SEO. And then in September, we'll have 40 more black and brown skinned people who will be learning tech SEO. 
Also, we were able to secure, with the help of Aleda, eight internships so far, which is incredible. So it's just so much happening. It's just so much happening. We're going to start our podcast, our video podcast soon, which is going to be bringing in so many people to tell their stories, to share something. It's going to be a mix of learning and experience, which is something I've always wanted to do because there's nothing out there that is serving the bipoc audience and we're creating something that's just for us. So, so many things in the works. It's just an incredible project. 500 plus members, at the very least, 70 to 80% of those people have gotten access to training through the coalition. I, I, you're, you're such an inspiration to me. I mean, you're a woman of action. You, you, you walk the walk and, and it's amazing. I thank you so much for, for joining me on Rankable, telling Drop me all in. about your work and talking topic clusters. It's thank you. you're like, I, you know, sometime when you come to the U S we gotta, we gotta like cook a, cook a meal, yeah. cook some pasta yeah. and go yeah. to an SEO conference. No, definitely. I'm coming to the U S next year. So when I come oh, next yeah. year, it's going to be like a tour. So many people to see. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, so this has been Garrett Sussman of IPO Rank Agency for the Rankable Podcast. Check out the description notes for all of the great links to uh, the Freelance Coalition, uh, you know, Chima on Twitter and LinkedIn, uh, Zenith Copy if you want to hire her, because, you know, the best thing you can do is actually donate money, donate your time, be an awesome person, and uh, we will catch you next episode of Rankable. Y'all have a good one. See ya. there's that kind of balance of like not wanting to straight up like copy or imitate content yes. versus like, that's what ranks um, versus doing something that's actually like original, but it might not rank because it doesn't have the elements that of what's ranking. How do you, how do you like, I think, I think, I, I think we have to be realistic. We are living in Google's world. Mm-hmm. First things first, I living in Google's world. So every mm-hmm. time you write content, you must, must take your cue from what is already out there. Because that tells you that this is what Google wants to see for that keyword. Then the thing is taking those essential elements that you see that are repeated, take those repeatable elements, and then you can now make it your own. There are so many opportunities to do that with H3 subheadings. You can capture the basic H2s that you see, but then use those H3s. I like to talk about turning them into mini topics. Use those H3s as mini topics to really dig deep and then cover it so cohesively that you that your content becomes the best and kind of giving Google a new perspective on what should be ranking for that keyword. But at the core, you have to take your cue from what is already ranking, but you can also build on that with what you think you could be doing better to make that content the best.